Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Simon Lister, Managing Director of ML Financial Associates. ML Financial Associates is a Norfolk-based financial advisory firm. Simon, hello. Hi, Matthew. It's uh, great to speak to you. Thank you for coming on the show today. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? For me, a leader really sets the the vision, uh, the tone, and the example of the direction of where the business should go. Um, And that kind of intypifies the person or, you know, the individual or the organization, really, in as much as I think that um, a leader really should be the shining example for the team to follow, and they should very much lead and not just manage. And what is your personal leadership style? So... I really like to know uh, my entire team and have a great understanding of um, their idiosyncrasies with regards to them as individuals and the way that they they, they work. Um, I'm a great believer of, of person management and trying to get the best out of my team, and I think it very much is a, a team element. And uh, whilst, therefore, they always know that I'm with them and standing beside them and supporting them, I also think it's important for me to have an understanding of what their strengths are and and, and how to get the best out of their strengths and and really treat them as individuals on that basis and and not have just one size fits all type management. So, you know, for me, it's about leading them in the right way and, 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 and making sure that they know that I'm with them in order to enable them to do that. I think you hit the nail straight on the head there. Uh, Leading a a business or team, uh, the most important thing to remember is that you're leading humans and uh, humans have their own foibles and their own strengths what is the uh, greatest challenge in leading a team of people i think uh every day is different is it, probably the honest answer to that and and therefore you need to remember because they are people that you know they sometimes will be going through different personal issues or things at home and and therefore on that basis that um you don't always get the same outcome um, every time. So therefore, it's always being considerate to the situation that they're in, you know, the mood they're in um, and, and how they're feeling uh, from that point of view. So I think the challenge whenever you uh, end up leading people is to, to really understand your team and, and being adaptable, being a, a chameleon and, and and understanding what their situation is at that moment and, and therefore almost being a little bit forgiving from that point of view that, you know, they'll have good days and they'll have bad days. Now, was your leadership style inspired by any individual in particular, Uh, maybe at the beginning of your career, someone you worked with or for? I think it's probably a combination, um, if I'm honest. I have a great respect for certain uh, leaders in the past, particularly political, like Winston Churchill. Um, But also, I've had the fortunate um, position to have played football to a reasonable standard and therefore have learned from managers that I've been under, but also uh, worked for and with some great leaders. And uh, what I've tried to do is, is take what I think is the the best of, uh, you know, of little bits of all of them, really, as well as really have a mentor all the time. For me, that's been 
really important in my development is that I've had someone that's kind of been there and done it in senior positions in other companies in order to help me along the way and give me advice and guidance in order to get where you know I want to get to from that point of view. It's interesting that you mentioned men, uh, mention, mentioned mentorship. Um, it is an important tool for development. Do you serve as a mentor for any of your staff? Yeah, so I really have tried to take a, a few of the uh, people here under my wing who are on a real growth plan, um, a growth path rather. And, um, you know, from a mentoring point of view, that's come at a whole variety of, of different levels. Sometimes, you know, in the business that we're in, it's just trying to help them with qualifications and, and what they need to do. And other times it's, you know, trying to help them to sit back and see the bigger picture, understand where they're going, understand where they want to go or, you know, get from them where they want to go. So certainly within our business, you know, I've um, I've tried to do that uh, with, with certain people in particular, um, as well as for my, my management team uh, or exec team, as I call them here. Um, again, uh, really just kind of listen and, and help them to, to grow and, and make the right decisions. And I think that's quite important. I don't think that you should tell anyone anything. I think you should try and help them show, you know, show the ways that they can do things and realize things themselves. And I think that's, you know, very uh, powerful when it comes to leadership. And what's your first uh, bit of advice that you'd give to a, a young mentee? I think uh, one of the most important elements that I always say to anybody that I'm looking at mentoring is that they've got to do it their way and be themselves. So whilst I can help them and uh, discuss things with them and show them things that I've done, it's still really important that they're their own person and they develop their own style. And whilst they can hopefully use, um, you know, methods or terminologies or, um, things that I've done in the past, uh, you know, in, in order to, to help them grow and, and help other people grow, they still, it's really important that they're true to themselves and they are their own person um, and not just try and completely replicate somebody else. And for me, that's certainly been important on my journey. So being a genuine person and knowing who you are is key to becoming a good leader. Yeah, I think being authentic is really important as much as, um, you know, you mentioned the word genuine. I, I think for me, when I'm, you know, with my team, um, they, they truly know that I'm, I'm being myself. And, and therefore, I think if you don't um, and you're not yourself, then to be honest, people will end up finding you out and they won't trust you. Um, they won't have as much confidence in you and, and, and what you're doing for them. So, you know, being authentic, I think, is, you know, a vital part for anybody, you know, just being a person, but particularly when you're, you know, leading or, or mentoring is is doing what you believe to be right and, 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 and doing the right thing and it being, you know, 100% coming from you. And uh, like I say, I think that really shines through positively. And if you don't do that, then I think it shines through negatively. Now, let's imagine that uh, the 10 years younger uh, version of yourself walked into your office right now. What advice would you give yourself as to what leadership strategies to keep hold of and which ones to get rid of? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think for me, one of the, the uh, if I went back 10 years, then I think I would want to be calmer, uh, not as desperate just to try all these new things all the time and, and really make sure one of the biggest learns that I've made is, is making sure if you're trialing something, you know, from a leadership point of view with your team, make sure you give it enough time to really see if it works or not and not 
starting and running too quickly. Um, mm-hmm. I think patience is quite a key. You know, again, from uh, my perspective, I think that there's been sometimes, particularly when I was younger, a desperation in order to kind of get everything done as preferred to really focus on what the key aspects are and make sure that you, you know, kind of deliver and, and fully explore them. Um, and therefore, they would probably be the, the two main things as I've got older that I think I appreciate and when I reflect on now. Um, make sure you always take a breath and, uh, you know, just take a step back before you kind of make the decision to make sure you fully consider it and, and, and whilst what your kind of gut feeling is or what your reaction is sometimes can be the right thing um, I think once you've fully considered it you've, you've made sure that that's the, the right thing to do. Unfortunately our time together is very quickly drawing to its close but before I let you go what does the next 12 months have in store for ML Financial Associates? We're very excited because uh, we've just launched with a team at the back end of 2019. Um, our 2022 Vivid Vision, uh, which is really what the business will be in three years' time or two and a half years' time now. Um, and therefore, we're really excited over the next 12 months to progress that journey further. Um, we're really looking at developing our team, looking at expanding our team, uh, and, and working with uh, the great clients that we have on board and, and looking to strengthen them also. So I think we're on a very exciting journey um, uh, you know, over the next 12 months in, in order to get where we want to get to. Well, Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I hope you come back on the program in the near future to let us know how things are developing. Simon, thank you. Thank you. It's been great to speak to you today. That was Simon Lister, Managing Director of ML Financial Associates. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me and realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has 
been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He um, he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more, was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence. On me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time 
maybe over this trip by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh... A, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm-hmm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think... Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, 
top quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey, or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time? I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. I, just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think. Um, you, you were a young man when... See, this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really 
struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke, and of course in, uh, England fans who. Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals, or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they, they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it 
that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody... And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. It, we have some great players, of course. But without the attitude uh, alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. The word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind single mind and this dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time. 
goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.